Hello, and welcome to the Permission to Succeed podcast. The Permission to Succeed podcast is about learning from and being inspired by people who have been successful because they found that point in their lives to give themselves permission and go and do it. The genesis of this podcast is based on the inspirational lives of Muhammad Ali and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and their world-changing impact. The Permission to Succeed podcast is brought to you by iris.xyz, the most helpful place advisors can come to to grow their minds and businesses. Power your advice at iris.xyz. This is your host, Doug Heikinen. And our guest today is Aaron Botsford, who's the founder and CEO of her own firm in Dallas. Welcome to the podcast, Aaron. Thank you very much for having me. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You know, we're certainly in a time we've never seen before. I'm not young, and this is craziness. What's going on in Dallas, and how, as an advisor, is your firm dealing with this? Well, um, Dallas is not, is, it doesn't seem to be as effective as the rest of the country. I think we're just such a big, big place and we don't congregate and, you know, we're not like New York City or San Francisco. So we've had, I'll say, minimal cases and we don't have the panic or the fear here as much maybe as some of the other places in the U.S. and we're really grateful for that. And as to my office, I actually uh, sold my firm two and a half years ago, so I don't know exactly what they're doing. I started another company, and I trained financial advisors, and so the good news about that is I get to do that right out of my own home, so uh, we're just hunk- hunkering down. But you were an advisor, and despite the fact that you ended up being a Barron's Top 100 advisor in all categories, you had a pretty rough start starting that whole thing. Can you tell us about that? I did. I was an advisor for 31 years, and I still consider myself an advisor. I do a little bit of business development for my old firm, which I really love to do. But yeah, I started in 1989 in Panama City, Florida. My husband was a fighter pilot, and that's where we were stationed. And I walked into a stock brokerage firm looking for a job as a secretary. And the guy said, hey, would you like to be a stockbroker? And I didn't know the difference between a stock, a bond. I never heard of a mutual fund, but I'm like, uh, okay. You know, I was young. I was like 29. And so he uh, took a chance on me. And it was funny because he, when I got back from my training course, three, or three, all of three weeks, he said he wanted to see my business plan. And I was like, what's a business plan? And you had to understand, like, there was no Google back then, so I had no idea what that was. So I went to the library, and it came up with something, and I presented it as a business plan. And <laughs> his response was, well, honey, this is about the best business plan I've ever seen. <laughs> the truth was it was the only business plan he'd ever seen because he'd never asked any of the guys for it. So, And then he said to me the words I'll never forget. And talk about your permission to succeed. I was, He said, <laughs> he goes, honey, I just don't want you to be disappointed when you fail. And I said, well, why do you think I'm going to fail? And he goes, you are a recipe for disaster. And I'm like, why would you say that? And he goes, you're young, you're a female, and this is the South, and that's never going to work. You know, and I tell people, that was the day, I mean, I literally put on my Scarlett O'Hara big, big girl panties, and I said to myself, as God is my witness, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove this man wrong. Annie, well, Annie, I didn't. I, Annie called but, you honey. Oh, he called me honey. Oh, but that was, you know, it was interesting. In my generation, I'm 61 right now. I was not offended by that. That was just, that was the way the world was, especially in the South back then. But mm-hmm. today, gosh, it wouldn't be tolerated at all. So so how did it, how did it go when you first started? When you got it was, the job? It went, ter- it went terrible. It went absolutely terrible. And, you know, I, there was no direction. There was no anything. Um, I started doing daytime seminars at the public library in Panama City, Florida. And I would pray for rain. 
because the snowbirds had all come down from Ohio and Indiana and Pennsylvania. They were living in the winter in Panama City. I pray for rain because then the guys wouldn't be playing golf. They would come to my seminars. And so, you know, things kind of went from bad to worse because then my husband got out of the military and we moved to Dallas, Texas, where again, I did not know one person but I was given some opportunities and I learned a lot along the way. In, in my course, I actually teach nine different things I did. I mean, successfully, nine different ways to market and prospect to get new business because I was determined to succeed. So again, I, I built my business on doing public seminars, but I had, I had to fill them somehow. We didn't have groups that can do that. I just had to do it by meeting one person at a time. So, you know, I really did struggle a lot for the first 10 years and finally... A branch manager told me, why don't you go get some business coaching? And, you know, I was really ready. It was, I've got to get business coaching. I've got to figure out, figure this out, or I'm going to quit. That's how bad it was. So I enrolled in this business coaching program, and there was an event that happened, and, and it was really unique, and I'm super grateful. So it was the 12th session of this business coaching. We were asked to stand up and report our progress over the you know previous three years, and so at this point, three years later, I felt like I'd really made some progress through all this business coaching. And so I stand up and I randomly look around. And there's this guy sitting out there and he was looking for a partner too. And we met up together. His name was Paul. And I decided I was going to go first. And I said, hey, I'm here in Botcher. And three years ago, I was doing $300,000 in production. Today, I'm on target to do somewhere between you know, 400 and 450000 And I'm thinking to myself, like, woohoo, look at me. I was super happy. <laughs> And then it was Paul's turn. And he said, hey, I'm Paul. I'm with a stock brokerage firm out of Virginia. He said, you know, three years ago, I was doing 300000 in production as well. And I'm thinking to myself, well, look at us. You know, we're, we're just alike. And then he said the words I'll never forget. He said, this year, I'm on target to do $3 million in production. And I don't meet with my individual clients anymore. I've built a whole team around me. And the team meets with and services our clients. And all I do is I go out. And I bring in new, you know, new, new uh, cl- prospects and turn them into clients. And then he goes, to add insult to injury, he goes, yeah. And my wife, she just won the Bill Phillips Body for Life contest. So I'm going to the gym. And next year, I'll own two companies. I'll have a financial services company and I'll own a gym. And I was like, sitting there, I'm like, what did you say? You just went, did you just tell me you went from 300000 to $3 million in three years? And he goes, Yes. And you don't meet with all of your clients anymore. And he's like, yes. And then, of course, the bell rang. Ding, ding, ding. It's time to go back to our, our seats. But I'm standing there like I just had that ALS bucket challenge moment. Like this big bucket of ice water just poured on me. And I'm thinking, how in the world did he do that? And I'm looking at him going, he doesn't look any smarter than me. And anyway, so I'm like, uh, 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 Paul, Paul, uh, um, could I just buy, uh, buy a few hours of your time? And he goes, yeah, sure. He goes, in fact, why don't you come spend the day with me and my team? So literally, the, as soon as I could get back to Dallas, Texas, and I made my husband come with me because I knew that whatever Paul said he did, you know, I, I, had, a, I had a feeling it was going to be, well, you've got to sell your firstborn child mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe divorce your husband. I mean, I didn't know what it was going to involve, but I needed my husband's buy-in if something drastic was going to have to change for me to get those kind of results. Well, it wasn't that at all. In fact, it was just the opposite. So I got to spend one day with this guy. And you know what? He gave me permission to succeed. How and, so? You know, it was, it was, so 
we spent the first part of the day was all on the mindset of achievement. And I didn't know anything about that. And uh, so I came home. I had one assistant working for me full-time and one part-time assistant. And just armed with a little bit of information and a lot of guts, I looked at her and I said, guess what? I'm going to go out and bring in new business and you're going to do everything else. So what, girl was, what changed? What changed was thinking of it as a business instead of being a financial advisor. And I'd like to give this example because people always ask me what changed. That's such a good question. And that is just advisors. And I, I think it's changing now, but I was brought up in an environment where I was hired as a professional person for a stock. Role. So I was not taught to think like a business owner, but think about this. What if instead of getting, I tell advisors, what if instead of getting into this business, you decided to invest in McDonald's franchises? So you got, you bought one in the north of your town, one in the south, one in the east, and one in the west. You have four McDonald's franchises going. And the question is, in which McDonald's franchise would you be in the back flipping burgers? And the answer is none of them. Because Flipping burgers is the work of the business, right? You hire people to do the work of the business. And what your job is to provide creativity, leadership, and all these other things. And so it isn't any different in our business, but the message hasn't gotten out to our, to our industry. And so, and let's face it, okay, 80% of the people in our industry are men. And a lot of a man's ego is tied up into what he does, and trust me, my ego was all tied up in what I did. And so I had to get out of my own ego. I had to set it aside and say, okay, I'm going to build a firm. And my job is to, is to go out and bring in people and talk about the philosophy of my firm. And so all I had to do was go out and say, guess what? Nobody gets me. This is the philosophy of our firm. This is how we think about money. But you're gonna, if you want to work with my firm, you're going to have to be willing. I've got a long-term care specialist. You're going to be working with, you know, have a primary relationship manager. You also have a, you know, another relationship assistant. And so they had to agree to work with various members of my team. And if they didn't, they weren't a good candidate for my firm. So I ended up building an office in Dallas. I built an office in Atlanta. I had seven conference rooms filled with, with clients of our, my firm. And I wasn't in any of them. So that's how you build a business. So you built a business that ran without you. Correct. And most advisors feel that they need to meet with all their clients, but you say that's a mistake. It's a huge mistake, and guess what? I mean, it's, think about the disservice that you're doing to your clients. I mean, I was always worried. I, I, I was like, what? I never wanted a client to worry like, oh my gosh, if they find out Aaron Botsford, I mean, I just had a skiing accident two months ago, right? And what if I had died. I had a friend that died. I mean, he had a tree skiing. Like, well, what would happen to my clients and how would they feel about their money if Erin Bosford suddenly, if they found out she died? And so I wanted them to, I wanted my clients to say, guess what? I want you to work with our firm and I want you, it, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that you can interface with in my firm. And that way, you know what, if you ever hear that something happened to me, it's okay. Come to my funeral, you know, cry for me or whatever, but your money doesn't have to go anywhere. In fact, I wanted to build a generational firm so that their money and their kids' money and their grandkids' money could all come in and if it was, you know, into my firm. And if it was all dependent on Aaron Bosford showing up, I mean, what kind of business is that? Think, think about any other business in, in, the, in the universe. We're the only ones that seem to think that 
the universe revolves around our knowledge. And I think it's a mistake. So it's taking your ego out of the business as well. And that is the hardest part of all. And it was the hardest part for me. And you know what? I had a, I had a mentor then say to me, it's like, her name was Susan. I'm still very good friends and having lunch with her next week, maybe. I said, well, what if they fail? Like, what, you know? So I have a bunch of strategies. And she said, Aaron, what if you put Kaylin, what if you put one of these people in a room with a prospect or a client? The hardest thing is prospects. You don't want to screw up those prospect opportunities. So the easiest thing is I have clients, seg- I have advisors segregate their business into A, B, C, and D. And of course, they start moving their D clients first to members of their team. And they teach and train them, and then they're C, and then they're B, and finally, they're A. It, it, you can't do this in three months. It took me three solid years to make that transition. But all I had to see was to have it demonstrated once to me. And that's why I really believe, I don't believe in business coaching anymore. I shouldn't say that. I think it's great for accountability. I believe in modeling. And that was the gift that Paul gave me. I got to model what he did. And so it's like, boom, I got it. And, and that's what I provide for my students, too. It's like, here, don't make it up. Don't reinvent the wheel. Don't start from scratch. This is what works. Just do it and get, get done with it. So. You sold your business two and a half years ago. So how did you prepare for that mentally? How did you prepare for that happening? And what was the result? What I started doing, was, and years ago, there weren't these big valuation firms. There weren't the echelon partners and the FP transitions around. And so... What I started focusing on was I wanted to get, someday, I wanted to get top dollar from my firm. Okay? That was a goal. Well, and it became very apparent with Paul that if the, if the business depended on Aaron Boxford showing up every day and meeting with every client, it would have very little value. Okay? So, what I did was about 2003, I pretended I wanted to sell my company. And I only did it for one reason, because I wanted to see what... And, you know, another firm or a potential buyer wanted to see, I wanted them to see what kind of financials, what they wanted, you know, how they wanted to see them, what kind of spreadsheets, what kind of data they wanted to see. And, you know, back then by 2003, which is what, 17 years ago, (laughs) I was still writing my nail salon, you know, I was paying for my nail salon out of my business checking account. Okay, that's kind of a no-no to a potential buyer. That's not a serious business person, right? right? So that's how I did. I prepared. I said, okay, I did that a number of different times in 2003. I did it. I did it again in 2010. I just wanted to see what was out there. What were they looking for? And so what the number one thing they look for is that those clients do not depend on you. And I'll tell you something. The day that the firm bought my company two and a half years ago, they also bought another lady's business. I know this woman, and she had a similar size company, similar AUM, similar profitability. Unfortunately, she had had a massive stroke. And more unfortunately, all of her clients expected to meet with her. So, you know, she got about 25 cents on the dollar compared to me, only because her clients depended so much on her. And there was, so therefore to a potential buyer, there was a risk to the business, to their their acquisition. And the really cool thing about my acquisition is to this day, like I called a couple clients the other day just because they're my friends. I'm like, hey, how you doing and all this stuff. Not one client has any idea that I've sold the company. We never made an announcement. I mean, life has just gone on, right? They were so not used to meeting with me that, hey, I'm just Aaron Bosford, I'm just out there. That's amazing. 
so you've tr you've transitioned to teaching advisors how to build their business like you did. Talk a little bit about that program and what it's called. Yeah, it's called the Elite Advisor Success System. And you can just go to, they can go to aaronbotsford.com slash elite and they can find out about it. And I wanted to make it very inexpensive because the other thing was my husband and I support an orphanage in Africa and we, we actually support 500 children who have no mommies and no daddies. And so... When I sold the company, you know, I got a nice big check and Bob and I looked at each other and said, okay, we're done. We have enough. So 50% of everything that we do from now on, it goes to feed, you know, kids who have no mommies and daddies. I don't know why my heart, that's where my heart is. So I am having so much fun. I created this online course. There's actually, it's a system. There's five courses. The first is the mindset of achievement. It's so important to get that down. This is, talks all about what Paul and I talked about that day. How you have to start thinking about your business and how to get get out of your own way and check your ego at the door. Because if you've got to maintain your ego, you can't do what I'm about to tell you, right? You just can't do it. Then the second course is all on prospecting and marketing. The nine things that I did over time, what worked, what didn't work. The third course is all about, I call it my secret sauce. And until I did this course, I never shared this with anybody because it's, I had about a 90 to 95% close ratio when I met with prospects. And so I tell them exactly what I said and did to get prospects to say yes. And then the fourth course is called the elite assistant. I actually teach their assistants how to be the best support staff and how to kick them out the door, you know, because I, I teach everybody, the advisor should only be doing one or two or three things. They should be out prospecting. They should be closing prospects and clients for new business. And they should provide creativity and leadership for their team. They shouldn't be doing a whole lot else. Certainly not looking at the, the, their machines and placing trades and creating financial plans. None of that stuff. That should all be done by people that you can pay 25 or 30 bucks an hour to. And then again, and then the last one is called my, the machine. It's a whole course on, it's all my compensation models for every, I had 18 employees. And I talk about how do you incentivize these people to do the best they can to really step up so that you can be doing other things, focusing on, you know, bringing new business in. In my case, my husband and I love to travel. He's an airline pilot. We've traveled all over the world. So what happened was in 2015, I wrote a book. It was called Seven Figure Firm, How to Build a Financial Services Business That Grows Itself. And by the way, through this podcast, I would love to offer any of your listeners a digital copy of that book for free. So hopefully we can put that on your site. But um, here I talk about how to grow a business that grows itself. So in 2015, before I released the book, I took six months off. I went to India for a whole month. I went to Asia for a month. I went to Africa for a month. And then I took the summer off. And I went to the other side of the world to prove to myself that this business really does run without me. Because when I was awake, they were asleep and vice versa. And in 2015, my firm had a record year. So I, I felt good about releasing that book and then creating this online course because you, know, you have to realize when I was doing this, I was I had my head down. I didn't know I didn't know what anybody else in the industry was doing. I just knew what I was doing. And so I wanted to make sure that could could another advisor, if they modeled what I did, would it work for them too? And here's a really cool thing is I started this quest in January 2019, in 2019, I trained 275 advisors, and they're just rocking it. They're just killing it. So, and they're, they're on their way to building businesses that can one day run with or without them, and they can sell it someday. So, I'm having a lot of fun. So, in this environment, 
that people are wanting to hear from their advisors with your model, it's set up so the founders or owners of the firm are not responsible for talking to their clients. That's all, that communication system's all set up. That's correct. But I tell you, I even, I got back to my advisors, you know, from my former firm and I, I gave them some good advice. I'm like, you guys, because these are, you know, quote, their clients, they, the clients rely on their advice. And I said, don't be sending emails. Okay. You got to pick up the phone and call these people. They want to hear your voice. So all the updates, the email updates, all that, all that in the world, it, it, it makes no difference whatsoever. And the other thing is I've, I've I've done a lot of webinars in the last week, you know, for advisors. And I said, not only do you need to pick up the phone and call them, and if, if they're used to, to talking to you, if you're the advisor and you haven't done this transition yet, then you're the one that has to call them because they need to hear from the person that they trust. But the other thing is you need to give them your cell phone. And if you make yourself available, now I never did that before when I was running the company, but in times like this, this is unprecedented. And people are so afraid that what I have found because I did this actually in 2008 during the financial crisis. If they think they can call you, they never will. You know, they've got your cell phone. It's like, okay, she's as close as that phone. And because of that, they typically don't ever call you. So, um, but they want to know that they can if they're scared. You have a special webinar coming up in April for Assistance Month. Tell me about that. Yeah, so April happens to be National Professional Assistance Month. And because I have a whole course on, you know, training a professional assistant to do a lot of the business, I put it out there. This is for people that have not, they're, they're not my students. Uh, I have a lot, a big database these days. And so I think it's a really good thing. And we have a ton of people signed up. I'm doing several and I can provide the dates if you'd like. I don't have them on top of my head right now. But ideally what you want to do is listen to this webinar together with your assistant and then you know, maybe bring in lunch or something afterwards and discuss some of that's going, some of the concepts that are going to be discussed. Because what's really cool is I'm bringing in Jennifer Mann. Jennifer actually helped me write my course, the Elite Assistance course. So what I did was I wrote the course from the perspective of the advisor and how important it is because the number one thing an assistant has to do is to protect the advisor's confidence at all times. That is the number one role for any assistant. And so so I wrote the first part of the course, and then Jennifer wrote the to-dos. This is what you should be able to do for your advisor. So I'm bringing Jennifer on these webinars. She's agreed to do this with me, and I think it's going to be really fun. That sounds really good. Let's end on this. What advice do you have, particularly to women who are thinking about a career in financial services and maybe becoming a financial advisor? My advice is do it. It is the most amazing career and we have a huge advantage over men. I hate to say this, but we have this instinctive empathy for people. And it ends up being a, a great career path. I mean, from a monetary standpoint, I mean, I, I just can't even say the sky's the limit, right? And you're, you are your own boss. I mean, I raised a family while I did my career, right? So because you, you're not at the beck and call of some corporate executive. You are your own boss. I think it's the ideal, it's the ideal career path for any woman that has any financial interest, let's say. I didn't have any financial sense. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what a stock, a bond, or a mutual fund was, but I figured it out. You certainly did. And now you can offer that assistance to all kinds of advisors. 
I know, and I'm having such a great time. I, I love seeing the light bulbs go on in their, you know, in their heads. I, I can, I literally, I can watch it. And so by just really giving back to an industry that just allowed me this poor girl. I mean, I was raised in the projects. My dad died when I was 11. I mean, I, I didn't come with any advantages at all. But to think where I could go and giving back to the industry that allowed me to become so successful and in turn feeding little kids that have no mommies or daddies. I mean, it is just, it, it's just, I'm just having such a great time. That's awesome. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. For everybody at Iris Media Works, our producer, Jakey Beard, and the Permission to Succeed team, this is Doug Heikinen. Have a great day. <laughs>